Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Ostroff from Legal Ease Marketing, and this is Exhibit A Attorneys, where we interview attorneys and other experts around the country to talk about what it truly takes to be the Exhibit A of a successful attorney. Um, for those of you tuning in to see Colin, uh, he's not going to be here. He had a work emergency that came up, which also is why we're a little bit late because we were still putting something together to make sure that we had a show for you today. So today we're going to talk about why your marketing is not working sponsored by yours truly interviewing yours truly and don't worry i won't like awkwardly talk to myself with split personality but uh breezy was nice enough to get this together in i don't know 15 or 20 minutes so we will still have a show today on why your marketing is not working but before we get into that let's talk about our last episode uh that was the ins and outs of forensic accounting and finding fraud with tracy so Tracy shared to us about um, some of the common signs of fraud, ways to look for it with business partners, both as an attorney and also within a firm. So that was our last episode that aired on Monday. And now we're going to talk uh, with me, talking with myself on why your marketing is not working. So for those of you that don't know, I'm Jordan Ostroff. I run a law firm called Jordan Law FL. This uh, logo is probably going to be backwards. Nope, it's right for you guys. It's backwards for me. So mostly personal injury here in Orlando, Florida. And from that, uh, I realized I basically was a marketer, not an attorney. So I put together Legalese Marketing. So the things that set us apart, um, we are the marketing company I couldn't find to help my law firm. The two things for us is we are uh, software agnostic and solution agnostic, meaning that I'm not going to definitively tell you that you need ads or that you need uh, SEO or that you need whatever it is. We're going to talk about your ideal client. We're going to talk about who they are, how they operate, how they find an attorney. And then we're going to put together the plan that cost effectively gets you as many of those clients as we can that are the ideal clients for you and the ideal clients for your firm. And so as part of that, one of the things that I hear from a lot of people is all the efforts that they've had before that did not work. And so we're going to go through two, four, six, seven of the most common reasons why marketing doesn't work and go from there. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. And then we're gonna go over the tracking insights. So the ability to track all the different stages of a lead through hired to, and how you can use that to determine what's working and what's not. So um, enough about me, let's dive into this. So I'm gonna start presenting now and hopefully you guys will get the first slide. So why is your marketing not working? These are seven of the most common reasons that we see. Uh, it's coming up. It's not centered on the Google thing. It's, it's cut off weirdly, breezy. All right, there we go. So the most common issues that we see, and we're going to go top to bottom. These are in no specific order. These are not ranked. These are just the most common ones. So the one of the biggest things we see is people that don't know their audience. If your audience is everybody if you're, um, who's in a car accident or anybody who can ever need an attorney or anybody who's anywhere, that's going to be way too broad. So you need to make sure that you have that dialed in to know your audience more. The more specific and niche that you can get, the better it's going to be. The example I use is doing criminal defense, not a niche. Doing just DUI cases, probably still not a niche. Doing DUI cases, focusing on professionals where you help them with the criminal case, 
as well as the licensing issues that may come up for their specific profession, or you help them get it expunged afterwards to, to protect their reputation or something along those lines, that might be your niche. Because the more that you target that audience, the more that you know your audience, the more that you have that dialed in, the easier everything else is gonna be. Um, we'll talk about some of the other ones, but basically it's easier to figure out where you should go. It's easier to figure out what you should say. It's easier to figure out what service you really offer, et cetera. And so knowing your audience is one of the biggest issues that I see. You cannot spray and pray. You cannot just walk up to the tallest building in town and throw your business cards off of it and have them taken into the wind, hoping they land with the right person. You need to really have this focus. So along those lines, not being in the right place. So that by that, I mean the right platform or the right technique. So for example, if you are an estate planning attorney and you are trying to do assets, uh, trusts, wills and trusts for somebody who has $5 million or more in assets, you're probably not going to see a great success rate on Yelp or with pay-per-click ads. You know, that may be something that's a lot more for you engaging with a lot of really good financial advisors, business attorneys, divorce attorneys, people that are connected to your ideal client from a referral standpoint, or that might be you speaking at um, higher end adult living facilities or higher end retirement homes, speaking at certain conferences that may get a number of, you know, affluent, uh, older people to it or affluent people, regardless of age to it. So not being in the right place, putting those ads in the wrong measure for the most part, every ad can be effective or every, I shouldn't say ad every platform or every technique can be effective. It's going to be the question of what's the right fit for you, for your practice area, for your ideal client. So the second biggest issue we see is not being in the right place. The next one's not having the right ad. And by this, I don't necessarily mean it has to be an ad. Um, it could be an ad. It could be a social media post. It could be networking. It could be an email newsletter. Just not having it done correctly. That could be being on the wrong platform with it. That could be the wrong copy. That could be the wrong technique for it. That could be saying the wrong thing. That could be using the wrong image, et cetera. Um, a lot of times what you'll see is people are very heavy on using stock photo imagery. So you'll have the, you know, random family in the background. It may be a lot more impactful to use an actual family, to use the attorney themselves, to use their actual staff, to use their actual office, something along those lines. So not having the right ad might be a reason why your marketing is not working. Um, this is going to be, we're going to get into this a lot more detail when we get to the second half of this and we talk about some of the ways to track to let you know that the ad is the problem. And basically in a nutshell, again, we'll get into this in more detail, but basically it would be, there are a lot of eyeballs on the ad and that's it. People aren't clicking to call you. People aren't clicking to go to the website, the landing page, whatever it is. That may be a way for you to know that the ad is wrong, that there's something wrong there. Along those lines, another big thing we see is not having the right call to action. And this may be driving people from the ad itself to something else. It could also be getting people to um, click click from your website, fill out a contact form, whatever it is. A lot of ads that I've seen for other attorneys that haven't worked had no call to action. And while for the most part, I think people understand now the what to do after watching a video on YouTube or something along those lines, but best practice, you know, if you're paying for eyes, if you're paying for, for eyeballs, if you're running something in a newspaper, you wanna make sure there's a clear call to action on it. So just having your face and your phone number and your practice area, probably not going to be enough. You want to give the people some reason to interact with you or at least letting your ideal clients know what sort of situation comes up that they should contact you with. So know your audience, be in the right place, have the right ad, have the right call to action. 
Um, and then obviously there are dull website landing pages. And I don't necessarily mean dull from a creative standpoint, just they're not engaging. They're not getting the person to the next step. They're not, um, they don't project your brand very well. You know, a lot of times we'll see firms that spend a bunch of money on ads that network with the best people in town that have really great reputations. And then you go to the website and it looks like something that was built in the 1990s for GeoCities. It's not brand cohesive. So you want to make sure that if you're advertising yourself as the go-to expert in your area, you have a website that matches that. If you're running specific ads through Google, through Facebook, something along those lines, you want to consider, do I want to send them to my website or do I want to put together put together a specific landing page for the clients. You know, for a website, you're talking more about things such as um, like a digital business card, you know, what we do, your history, et cetera. The landing page, you're really trying to get somebody from point A to point B, whether that's coming in from a Facebook lead to booking an introductory call, whether that's signing up for a course, whatever it is that you want them to do, that might be a little bit better for a landing page. And so again, we'll talk about the specifics of how you know that that's your problem area as we talk about bad tracking, bad tracking is a huge thing for why your marketing is not working. Um, this can be you're not tracking anything or you're not tracking what's working. And so then you end up spending not enough money to run enough ads. You don't spend enough time networking. You don't take long enough on your to grow your social media channels and you're just not tracking the results with any consistency, which we'll talk about towards the um, on the next slide. That's going to be a big thing to let you know what ads are working and what ads aren't when you should make tweaks, when you should make changes, when you should keep just going with something and have an understanding that like organic social media is going to take time, things like that. Um, you're going to have problems if you don't track correctly. And then a poor sales process. So technically, this is not that your marketing is not working. You're just not signing up the right clients. Um, I talked to a, a decent amount of firms that don't have a marketing problem. They have phone calls. They have leads. They're just not the right leads. They're not the right phone calls. They don't follow up. They don't have a proper sales process. So what we're talking about here, sales process, intake, getting somebody from a lead to actually being a hired client, whether that's paying or whether that's a retainer or whether that's a personal injury contingency retainer, something along those lines. We'll talk about the sales process and the bad tracking in a lot more detail on the next slide, but these are the most common reasons why your marketing is not working. So if you are seeing struggles with it, these are the most common things that you should be looking for. Not being in the right place, not knowing your audience, not having the right ads, not having the right call to action, having the wrong client journey through a website or landing page, not tracking everything well enough, not having a good sales process, and then not having enough patience with it or not putting enough time behind them. And so let's talk about how you figure that out because obviously it's one thing to know you have a problem with your ads. It's a totally different thing or a problem with your marketing it's a totally different thing to figure out where the problem actually is. So tracking insights. You can do tracking in a bunch of different ways. This could be a whole presentation by itself. For the most part, when it comes to tracking, you wanna look for things such as um, call rail or something else where you have different phone numbers for every ad, so you know which one they called from. You might have different contact forms if you're using a really good CRM program, so you know which contact form somebody submitted and those can be on different landing pages, different pages of your website, something along those lines. You can do UTM codes with Google. Um, what that would be is, or I guess with the internet in general, that'll be some stuff after the end of the URL. So for example, www.legalesemarketing.com, uh, UTM equals tracking Facebook equals tracking 
the website, whatever it is. And so basically the UTM code on the user side, they're not going to see any difference, but on your side, you will know what somebody clicked on to get to your website specifically. It can be whether they came straight from Google. It can be whether they came from a specific blog post on your website to a landing page. It can be if they came from a specific social media post from Facebook or from LinkedIn or from Instagram, whatever it is, those UTM codes will allow you to track that and and ultimately you want to be tracking all of these things you've also got google analytics and google search console which are free resources that google puts forward to give you some really good insight on how people got to your page and why as well as facebook and some of the other social media platforms will have a pixel like literally one dot that you will put and that will help you get information of where people came from or where people went to when it comes from facebook to your website or whatever it is along those lines so those will be some of your most common ways to track. And the more that you're tracking, the better, because you want to do it in a way that's not a pain in the butt for the client, but that you can get the right results. So if you're running pay-per-click, uh, click to call, use CallRail, have a different phone number. The client's not going to care. They're clicking one button. If you're doing a lot longer of a client journey, you may want to see a specific contact form or whatnot. And we're going to go through those specifically here now. So from the tracking insights, I'm basically starting it from the ad itself. Um, you can, in theory, do this tracking from networking lunches as well, but it's easier when we're talking digital or even print ads. So if you're doing um, print ads, if you're sending them in a newsletter, you're not really going to be able to give somebody a different URL to go to. You might be able to give them a different phone call, but that's where like QR codes would come in. If you've been to a restaurant during COVID, I think pretty much all of them now do QR code menus. That'll give you the opportunity to run a specific QR code to that um, each print ad, each whatever it is that somebody's physically getting, um, mailers, postcards, leaflets, whatever. You can track those. Somebody puts their phone over it. The UTM code, well, the sorry, the QR code will pull off of that. For the most part, you're going to track with the UTM code, but you can even send people to a specific domain to then redirect them to the website. So you want to be tracking things from the ads. If you're running Google ads, Google does a great job with this, giving you all that information for you know, what somebody searched, when they clicked on it, where they clicked on it, all those things. If you're running Facebook ads, Facebook's going to pull a lot of those analytics on um, when you came up, how many impressions you got, how many clicks came from that, where the people went to after the clicks, et cetera. So you want to track the ads. The way that you'll know your ads are doing poorly is going to be that people don't continue on with the ad. So if it's um, pay-per-click ads, they're coming up a bunch, people aren't clicking on them, or people are clicking on them and they're bad leads, which we'll get to in the consultation phase. Uh, for Facebook, you're getting impressions, you're not getting clicks, you're not getting clicks to call, you're not getting people downloading your lead magnet, whatever it is. So track the ad, and if you see that's where people stop, then that's gonna be your issue. Now we move into the website or landing page. Here we're talking about using that Facebook pixel or Google Analytics to get the information from where they came from to the website. And now we can see how people interact on your website. Are they going around to a bunch of different pages? Are they immediately bouncing? Are they staying on there and reading things, et cetera? And you'll get an idea of whether or not your website and landing page is the problem based upon the results that you have in there. If people are going to the clicking on the ad, going to the landing page, not clicking to call you and they're done with you, you've got some issue on your landing page with what's there or what's not there that you really have to focus on. Then we get into contact forms. So from that website landing page or from that ad, you want them to fill out some sort of contact form, whether that's giving you their email in exchange for a lead magnet, whether that's signing up to book a call with you, 
whether that's scheduling a consultation. The beauty of a really good CRM is all those contact forms can be different. So you know that um, ad A goes to landing page A through UTM codes and whatnot, goes to contact form A, comes into our CRM as coming from there. And then you can track what ads do the best, what landing pages do the best, what contact forms do the best to get more information from clients or less information. Um, you'll know the contact form's not working if people are going to the website and then not going farther than that. Either there's a problem on the website or there's a problem with the contact form. That may be an actual digital problem, like there may be something wrong where it's broken, where the link's not working, or it could just be that you're not framing it correctly. You don't have the right call to action, you don't have the right service offering, you're not giving them the right reason to go into that contact form. Now, once they're in that form, before they book an actual consultation with you, a discovery call, a case strategy session, whatever you call it, you wanna have some sort of follow-up. That can be phone calls, that can be emails, that can be text messages, whatever it is. And part of that's going to be to explain to them the benefits of your firm. Part of that's gonna be talking to them about why they should hire an attorney in general. Part of that will be confirming that they're making it to the consult, answering whatever questions they have, Maybe you send them an ebook that you've written on the topic so they know that you're the go-to expert on it. Um, the follow-up, you can see if it's working based upon how many people come in from that contact form and don't show up for a consult or how many people are bad leads by the time they show up for a consult and you weren't able to weed them out earlier through better ads or through um, that follow-up process. You can also see specifically if people are answering your phone calls or returning your phone calls. A lot of programs let you see if they've opened the email or obviously you'll know if they responded in the email. Same thing with any text messages. So think about tracking all of that in that follow-up to see if that's the issue. Then obviously the consultation. This is gonna be really great for a number of reasons. One, it might be the first time for you to actually talk to the client. Sometimes you'll have um, some process before that. Maybe the receptionist or intake coordinator talks to them before the consultation. But for the most part, this will be that first back and forth. You can ask them about their journey. You know, hey, what did you, what did you search on Google to find us and see if that follows with the information you're tracking. You can talk to the client about their case and see if it's a viable lead or not. If it's not, then work your way backwards and figure out why you're getting so many you know, leads that aren't viable all the way through to consultation. And obviously you get the opportunity to sell and close the client right there in consultation um, in whatever manner that takes. You know, maybe it's you, maybe it's a dragon, maybe it's an intake coordinator whoever it's going to be, uh, you've got that opportunity during the consultation to close them right there, but also to find out that information for them on the issues. From a tracking standpoint here, for the most part, you're going to track how the consults go, whether that's what percentage of leads were um, not viable going into the consult, what were outside your practice area, outside your geographic area, weren't weeded out correctly. And then on the flip side, tracking what percentage of cases that went to consult actually hired. So what's the industry standard? The lawyer answer, it depends. For the most part, if you are personal injury or anything contingency fee, you should be looking at 85, 90%, um, 80% at the lowest. The more that you're a volume practice, probably the slightly lower that number can be. The less your volume practice, the higher you want the number to be because you don't have the time to be spending it on so many bad consultations. If you're doing paid for consultations, that'll weed a lot of people out of your consult, so you should see a higher close rate, even if you're a business attorney or family law. If you do non-paid consultations, you'll get a lot more tire kickers, but obviously you may have some people that don't wanna pay for a consult, but would have hired you. So then from the standpoint of anything um, non-contingency where they have to pay, what success rate are you gonna see? 
depends upon how you're getting those cases. Referrals will be higher than ads. Uh, the cheaper you are, the higher close rate you should have. The more expensive you are, the lower your close rate would be. So there's going to be a lot of factors that go into the percentages there. So it's a lot harder to tell you. Um, I would say if you're not happy with what that number is, make some changes. You know, whether that's charging for consults or not, whether that's changing up how you do the consult, whether that's getting some specific sales training or not, whether that's doing better follow-up either to weed people out or to give them more information coming into it. And a lot of the ways that you'll know, you'll have some sort of a feeling from yourself, but also talk to clients, you know, ask them or potential clients or people that definitively didn't hire you. Try to get back in touch with some of them and ask them, you know, if you keep hearing, well, you were too expensive, then maybe that's your issue. And maybe it's not, you know, I'm not telling you to lower your rates. You may actually have a problem on the ad side where you are appealing to people that aren't ready to spend the value that you want on your cases. If you start hearing that people didn't like your consultation, then maybe you have a problem there. If you keep hearing that so-and-so does a much better job or another firm promised them something else or provided the value in a different way, you know, maybe that's something you can change or add. Maybe they're lying. Maybe other firms are being unethical. You know, obviously use a grain of salt with any of this, but don't hesitate to reach out to prior potential clients and get some feedback from them on it. So then after that, a uh, contract will go out in some manner, maybe with an invoice, maybe not. And obviously you can track that through most of your CRMs. I please, 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 I hope it's 2021 or halfway through. I hope you're doing e-signature. There's a million different programs from that. It's integrated into CRMs and a lot of other programs. There's HelloSign, there's DocuSign, there's PandaSign, there's whatever. Please have some ability to e-sign. It will also let you see when people have opened it. You know, if you just print out a contract for people, you have no idea if they really read it. But if you start seeing a bunch of clients open up their contract and then not signing, you may have an issue there. You may have something in your contract they don't like. There may be some difficulty in that process, et cetera. And same thing for invoicing. You know, um, I know that credit card fees are high, so there's other ways to go about it, but automate an invoice in some manner, have an invoice consistently go out, and then you can see are people paying it, are people opening it, are people looking at it, whatever it is. So you can track that part of it. Um, I've never actually heard from anybody that a client didn't sign because their contract was too long or had too much legalese, E-S-E, instead of E-A-S-E. Uh, for us, as the dad joke. I don't know. But the more that you're tracking that, the more you'll have an idea if that's your problem. If people just aren't opening it after the consult, then your consult's going to be the problem. So then you have another round of follow-up during that process, trying to get them to sign that contract and pay that invoice, if that's correct. Same tracking as before, you know, are they answering your phone? Are they returning the phone calls? Are they opening the emails? Are they responding to them? Are they receiving the text messages? Are they responding to them? And then think about how those things work. For the most part, um, Clio's legal trends found that 68% of attorneys never follow up other than the consult. Pretty much every study finds that sales, 92% of sales or so happen after the fifth point of contact or more. So you gotta have that follow-up before, you gotta have that follow-up after. Um, that's one of the things that we've done for a lot of firms is we've automated a lot of that. It's not going to change your consultation process. It's not going to change the fact that you or somebody at your firm has to call them back, but at least those emails and texts we can get out in a consistent process. And then you see like if you're only closing 40% of consultations, then if we make all of your emails and texts go out 12 hours faster or we you know lower the time in between them, does that increase, increase your close rate? Sorry, guys, I can't speak. That's why normally I have a guest on so that I don't have to trip over my words. 
Um, but we'll be back with that on next week on Monday. So, but again, from that follow-up standpoint, you know, you've got the opportunity to really get some good insight from, from clients or potential clients, whether that's them hiring or whether that's not, but them talking to you about why they didn't. So really make sure you've got a strong follow-up process in place. And if not, let's talk about how we can put something together for you. And then obviously of clients who hire. So the hired process is where the client actually has value to the firm. It is my opinion, it is my stance, it is my belief, a lead is worth nothing, a consultation is worth nothing, an email address is worth nothing, a download of a lead magnet is worth nothing until they actually hire your firm. And now obviously that's not totally correct because if they don't do those things, they can't hire you, but if you have a 0% close rate, you're gonna go to business really quickly. If you have a 100% close rate, you're also still probably doing something wrong. Either you're not charging enough or you're not marketing enough, or you're not marketing in the different places, or you're not closing cases, I guess you are closing, or you're not getting the consultations faster, I don't know. If anybody has a 100% close rate, let's talk, because I'm sure there's an issue there. What do you want it to be? You want it to be 100% of the cases that you wanna take, you wanna be at 100% of the cases that really fit your firm's culture, your brand, the types of cases you want, the kind of clients you wanna work with, so make sure you're tracking that whole way through. A good CRM will track all of these things. It will show the ads coming in. It will have landing pages in it, or it will show you the results of it. It'll have contact forms in it, so you can track those. It'll automate follow-up. It'll schedule consultations for you. It'll automate contracts and invoices to you. It'll automate and, um, and set up that follow-up, and then obviously it'll track hiring. So this is the tracking insight that I have for you. And remember, the more you don't just want to track leads, you want to track whether they, where they go to sign up. And then ideally you want to track what happens after that. You know, do they remain as clients? Do they refer you other cases? Do they send you more work, et cetera? Because what we've seen a lot of is like, if hypothetically you're running three ads on Google, very similar ads, slight differences, you know, maybe one of them gets you a bunch of calls. Maybe let's say it gets 50 calls. You sign up five of those clients. You've got a 10% close rate on that one. Maybe the next one only gets you 20 calls, but you sign up 15% or 15 of those clients. So you have a 75% close rate. Maybe the other one only gets you four calls and you sign up all four of those clients. And then it becomes a question of, you know, which of those ads do you put more money behind? You know, if you're spending an equal amount on all of them, the one with the 10% close rate probably isn't worth it. The one with the 100% close rate also probably isn't worth it because you're not getting enough out of it. So maybe it's pouring all that money into the middle one, or maybe it's making some tweaks and changes. Maybe it's figuring out some of what's in that 100% close rate and some of what's in that 10% and merging them into one so you get more clicks with a higher close rate, um, something along those lines. So the more that you are tracking the whole way through, the easier it is to make these changes. Because remember, marketing is an art. You know, there is psychology to it, there is art to it. We are graphic designing, we are writing copy that we think is psychologically impactful to clients. We are putting them in the places that we think the psychographics or demographics of the client you know, matches up to them. And I guess that's where it becomes a little bit of science, but the more that you track it, the more that you keep things consistent, the easier it is to make changes and see the results. So the more that you are doing the same emails, the same phone calls, the same type of consultations, the easier it is to see, well, this ad gets me to this client, this ad gets me to that client, this ad gets me to that client. If you keep changing everything and you're following up with clients on months that you are not busy and not following up with clients on months that you are busy, then your ads are going to do totally differently and you're going to have no idea how to make changes because your follow-up 
is going to be a huge difference in terms of if the clients sign up or not. So track all these things and do a lot of this consistently and then make these small changes and start seeing the differences. That's how you're going to find success. So I think that's all I got. Um, before I close out though, I do want to talk about our next episode. That's going to air on Monday with Nick. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, Nick B. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I posted about, about him on my uh, LinkedIn today. So he's going to talk to us about how to leverage social media and video marketing to generate leads. Nick does a ton of personal branding and how you use video to, to blow up your personal brand. And at the end of the day, 95% of us or more as attorneys have a firm brand, but really have a strong personal brand. And so Nick's going to talk to us about what you can do to make sure you have that locked in and then how to leverage social media and video marketing to use that personal brand to generate leads. So I hope that you'll join us next Monday at 1.30 Eastern time with Nick B to talk about that. So let me give you my golden nugget of wisdom, my takeaway, my most important thing to find success as an attorney, because I don't get the opportunity to do this. Normally it's from our guests. So if I could go back to day one, the biggest problem that I have is something that we talked about at the very beginning of this. And I really want to highlight that as my biggest takeaway for you to be the exhibit A of a successful attorney is knowing your ideal client. I have never talked to an attorney who really had a very clear picture of that ideal client and was not successful. Um, are they out there? Probably. I'm sure they are in some manner. I haven't seen them. Instead, what I see is people that don't know who they want to work with, don't know what kind of cases they want to handle, don't know how they actually help people, and that's where they struggle. Because the more that you know that ideal client, every other decision is easy. And just to walk you through that really briefly, because we could do an hour on this, you know, if you are representing first time offenders of, let's say you do education law, something that my wife does, um, some at the firm behind PI. So mostly working with students, right? So you're going to have somebody who's relatively young, who's in school in some manner, and who gets in trouble. They're going to get suspended out of school. They were cheating on a test, whatever it is. Think like that person. What's that person going to do when they have an issue? Some of them might go to their parents. Some of them are going to make sure their parents never find out about this if they don't have to. Some of them are going to go to a teacher. Some of them are never going to go to a teacher. So the more that you think about the kind of people that you like working with, the more you can figure out how to market to them. You know, If you like the ones that go to their parents, then really you're marketing to the parents to get the clients. Then you are marketing to the clients. <coughs> Excuse me. I swear it's not COVID. My throat's dry from talking nonstop for 40 minutes. Again, that's why this is normally an interview show. And I take my hat off to anybody who does a podcast or a live show uh, consistently without a guest because I don't know how to do it, uh, as you can see from this episode. But the more you want to go to the ones who don't talk to their parents, the more you need to market directly to the client themselves. And you have an idea of what their issue is. You know, Are you trying to target the ones that cheated on a test? Are you trying to target the ones that are... Um, being charged with sexual misconduct in some manner? Are you trying to target the ones that, you know, threw a desk at another student? Those are going to be different pieces of copy. Those are going to be different ad campaigns. Those are going to be different targeting metrics. And then you're also going to figure out from there targeting to a specific geographic location. You want to work with, with high schools, target, target the high schools. You want to work with colleges, target the colleges, whether that's through Facebook ads in the area, 
whether that's Google ads utilizing those as some of the keywords, whether that's advertising in the paper for the, um, for the school or for the district or something along those lines. Like it really all comes down to knowing your ideal client through and through what their problem is, who they are, how they're going to find an attorney and ultimately what problem they really want solved or avoided. The more that you know that, the more that you make that the core of every decision you make, whether it's marketing wise, whether it's sales wise, whether it's fulfillment wise, the more you're going to drive success. So that is my golden nugget of wisdom when it comes to how to be the exhibit A of a successful attorney. And with that, you have been looking at my face and Breezy's awesome PowerPoint for too long. So go out into the world, have fun. We'll see you back on Monday with Nick to talk about how to leverage social media and video marketing to generate leads. I hope you have a wonderful day and an excellent weekend. Thank you all for listening, watching, engaging, whatever it is. Uh, we could not do this without all of you. And with that, I will talk to you all soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of a successful attorney, please check us out at LegalEaseMarketing.com, E-A-S-E. 